Hello and welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hartnett, and in today's 58th episode, we return to the business of football in this week of the start of the 2024 SSE Tricity League of Ireland season. Yeah, it'll always be a bit of a frustration, no doubt, especially to those of us who've been League of Ireland fans all our lives and, and support our own domestic game. But ultimately, you know, football is football and people will watch football all over the world, whether it's the English Premier League, the Champions League. Obviously, the international tournaments like the Euros coming up this summer. So it's great that we have so many football fans in the country. And what we want to do now is just make sure that they uh, turn into League of Ireland fans as well. I'm joined by Mark Scanlon, the director of the League of Ireland at the FAI. And we have a wide-ranging conversation about the growing popularity of the league, investing in grounds, the quality of the players we are seeing coming through and staying longer. And, among other things, the world of football broadcasting. It's not going to be possible to put 500 46 league games as we have across uh, the three divisions and the playoffs all on free to air television so a subscription service will have to be there for the remainder and if you want to watch your clubs and the rest of the clubs then it's important that we we grow the subscription base of LOA TV. Our Sport for Business football coverage is supported by Sky, your home for the best of sport all around the world. If you have just enjoyed the African Cup of Nations, the Super Bowl from Las Vegas or the new Sky Sport Tennis Channel, you'll know it is the place to go for the best in international sport. Let's get into it then with Mark in an unusual setting for a morning conversation. So we're here in the strange daytime surroundings of Vicar Street for the launch of the 2024 SSE Electricity League of Ireland season. I'm joined by Mark Scanlon, the, uh, the the League of Ireland Director at the FAI. You're very welcome back onto the Sport for Business podcast, Mark. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Thanks for being here. Um, it's great to be here today in Vicar Street. You know, we always say that the League of Ireland brings the entertainment and the drama to Irish sports. So great to be at a, such an iconic venue as Vicar Street here today and a great buzz and excitement around with the players and coaches here from all three divisions. There is. And, you know, the uh, you know the season gets underway uh, on Friday night. So we've got a, a, a full full programme of, uh, of fixtures. The, the men's Premier Division, the men's First Division, the women's division, which will be starting a couple of, a couple of weeks beyond. Just before we look at 2024, can we just reflect a little bit on 23? It was a season where nothing changed in the Chamber of Rovers won it for a fourth time, but everything seemed to change as well. There was the new look, there was a new buzz about it, there was the branding, there was three TV stations scrambling to get games onto free-to-air television, and there was a real general buzz about it. Did it feel like that from the inside? It certainly did, yeah. I think um, starting off with the, the rebrand just before Christmas last year at the end of 22, heading into the start of 23, was a real fresh start for us. We were coming off the back of a really successful season with positive uh, attendances, growth in the game in general, the interest uh, across the, the public, the Irish sporting public, across commercial partners, across TV. So it was really positive 22, but then 23 really, really took off. Um, the rebrand was very successful. We're delighted with how that's gone. Uh, some fantastic work with our, our primary partners, SSE Electricity, who've been really supportive of that full process and uh, partnering all three divisions. So it was a really successful start to the season. Then on the pitch, I think we had some fantastic drama uh, last year, as you said, in the men's Premier Division. Shamrock Rovers were champions again, but I think for a long time in the season, it didn't look like that would be the case. So uh, the games were very competitive across the division, as we've we seen then coming into the Sports Direct uh, FAI Cups as well. Uh, very competitive um, 
and across the first division, uh, really strong performance, obviously by Galway United to go and win the title with such a phenomenal points total, which I'm not sure will ever be replicated again. But across the rest of the division, it was really competitive, uh, going right to the wire for the final playoff places. The introduction of Kerry FC as a new team, spreading the league to a new area as well, um, and then for the first year of the rebranded Women's Premier Division, you know, really successful year. P Mount coming out on top, a really phenomenal season from them. I think a lot of people thought they might have struggled at the start of the year um, but how, how they performed throughout the season winning all uh, the really crucial big games uh, a lot of time with you know clean sheet single goal margin so really competitive competition um, and it was just a fantastic season and then the record attendances reflected that as well uh, the interest in the public w- was there as you mentioned bringing Virgin Media on board now as the, the third uh, domestic broadcaster on free to air television meant we had more games than ever before so we're really happy with the, the progress the growth of the league and, and the direction that we're in at the minute So there's games being televised almost every week now we've already seen you know Parshee will have 18 games Virgin Media have already announced the first wave of games up until the, the mid-season break and TG Caho will be on board for the for the women's premier division as well does that make a big difference in terms of the, the visibility I mean we've seen in recent weeks you know over a million people watching the rugby between France and Ireland biggest viewership of a Six Nations game for you know well since I've been keeping the records of it anyway and well the League of Ireland isn't going to be hitting those numbers that Friday night window of getting people either before they're going out or while they're sitting in at home watching it portrays the league with the quality that it has which I think some people still find surprising but it also sort of gives that sort of sense of a narrative and a story that you know the Bows and Rovers and Shelburne and, and everybody else in the league they've all got these brilliant stories brilliant identities and brilliant fan bases as well like how much of an importance is it to actually broadcast that out to the hundreds of thousands watching it on television that might not be your die-hard League of Ireland fan? Yeah, I think it's, it's it's absolutely massive. I mean, if you look at the evolution of television and, and broadcasting in general, I think we find you know a lot of us are consuming our TV programs in a different way, maybe via streaming platforms of Netflix and Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, etc. And when you look at the latest TV viewing figures um, that were released a couple of uh, weeks ago, on the top 50 broadcasts from last year, it's dominated by live sport. So people really do enjoy watching live sport on TV. So for us to have a partnership with RTE, Virgin Media and TG Car is huge for the game. It's huge for the players, it's huge for the clubs. Um, and as you said, people are then starting to see the talent that we have in the league. And if you just look in the last couple of weeks, um, you've seen the likes of Sam Curtis move to uh, an English Premier League team. You've seen Tarot Hanlon uh, in the Women's Premier Division move to a WSL team in Man City. So, you know, that's the type of players that we have in this league. They're moving straight to what is perceived as probably uh, the highest level of the game just across the water in the UK. And these players are playing in our league just a few months ago. So it's fantastic for uh, the young kids, especially the families to come out on a Friday night to come out on a Saturday and be able to see the talent that we have on show and then for those who can't make the games because we've had so many sold out games recently which is a, uh, both a positive and a negative trying to get more people in the gates and unfortunately the stadiums just can't cater for the demand right now so then live television and LOI TV is really really important to us so 48 games live on TV this year will be a record number uh, the biggest uh, amount of games that we've ever had across all, all three broadcasters 
uh, and then the opportunity to watch everything else on LOI TV means no matter where you are across the country or outside of the country you never have to miss a minute of League of Ireland football and I think that visibility is really important for uh, for the growth of the game and adding that to the visibility we have by I think some of the excellent work that both the clubs and ourselves have done on social media uh, means that there's a sort of always on approach now with the League of Ireland that maybe wasn't there uh, before and maybe was hidden a little bit behind the scenes and maybe only the hardcore supporters would have seen a lot was going on but now it's a lot more mainstream which is exactly where we want to be in the Irish sporting market and that is exactly it mainstream on social mainstream on free to air television mainstream in the, the conversations that are going on around there is still a kind of a sense of frustration maybe it's just on my part but I think it's wider as well about we seem as football fans to obsess a little bit too much about Jurgen Klopp or Manchester United or you know Pep Guardiola in an era or an area that is just you know far beyond our reach of, of, of comprehension and understanding is that a frustration that we still have more pages devoted to that and more headlines on the radio bulletins and things like that or is this a long game are we content that we're actually sort of nudging up year by year, week by week almost. Yeah, it, it, it'll always be a bit of a frustration, no doubt, especially to those of us who've been League of Ireland fans all our lives and, and support our own domestic game. But ultimately, you know, football is football and people will watch football all over the world, whether it's the English Premier League, the Champions League, obviously the international tournaments like the Euros coming up this summer. So it's great that we have so many football fans in the country. And what we want to do now is just make sure that they uh, turn into League of Ireland fans as well. So. We're not saying that people will always have to uh, stop supporting football in, in different areas across uh, across the water or whatever it may be. But the more that we can get consistently supporting League of Ireland football, hopefully as their number one, it is a bit of a long game, as you say. It, it, you know, The more interest that's there, the more demand, then the more column inches that will come in the newspapers, the more coverage that will come uh, across TV. So as we keep doing our work behind the scenes correctly, which I think we certainly have done in the last few years, I think the clubs have done phenomenal work in terms of the growth of, of their own clubs in their local community, the work that they've uh, they've done on the pitch and off the pitch within the clubs. Um, so that's I think that's changing, it's slowly changing, and we see it. We see it here today, even with the amount of media interest um, that's around the league. I think even the launch event like today is a far bigger event than it was a few years ago, and the, the general interest around the league. Um, you know, record attendance is coming in from the very first day of the season this weekend with the Presidents Cup, where we'll break the record uh, for previous Presidents Cups. So that that is changing all the time, um, and we'll continue to work hard on that. And we just hope that as the next generation grow up, they grow up with the stars of the League of Ireland as the posters on their wall or the sticker collections or the match cards that they have and, and hopefully they have an affinity with the league um, and they can see the best male and female players in this country playing on their doorstep on a weekly basis. It is, I can tell you from experience, it is so much fun to walk around the corner to go into the Jody stand or into Tallah Stadium and then have the chance of bumping into the players you've been watching on the pitch in your local Lidl or your local Aldi or your local Spa and being a part of that community it's a um, you know it's something that is very special just before we leave the the media side of it LOI TV go you know born out of Covid and out of the necessity to actually sort of allow access to intergrounds when we couldn't be there physically but it has been a grower and it was ahead of the curve in terms of how a lot of other sports now have begun to move into recognition that streaming is the way of the future, that the new generations that are coming through, they believe that they want to be able to see everything everywhere, that they're willing to pay a small amount towards it or indeed for the season tickets, which I think is still brilliant value for, for LOI TV. 
it's also got that very personal connection. I watch a lot of the Bose games on it and the lads talking about, you know, the A section and the F section and the Jody stand and just that little bit of, you know, real local knowledge about it lifts the games, brings it to life. Has it been a success? And what is the target for 2024 in terms of how it continues to be? Yeah, LOITV has been a massive success. I mean, even just for the visibility of the league itself, like the access it gives us on a weekly basis. If you remember a couple of seasons back, we might have had to wait until a, a Monday night to watch um, MNS on um, on RTE to be able to see some of the best goals of the league. Now we can see them instantly on a Friday night. The highlights have uh, been a huge success on, on YouTube last year in terms of the amount of views and how that's really shot through the roof with the interest. So people are wanting to consume their sport immediately. They want to see highlights as they're happening um, so LOA TV has been fantastic in that side and then for the live games for people who haven't been able to get there uh, it's been really massively beneficial for the clubs but also it's created a whole industry uh, around sports broadcasting here which I don't think really has been recognised that much. We just had a, a workshop with all our commentators um, on, on Monday evening. Des Curran uh, thankfully gave up his time to share some of his expert tips with a lot of the volunteer commentators who do it and it's creating a whole industry around that. People are getting the opportunity to work maybe where they never had before to commentate on live games, to do interviews pre and post match as well um, so it's, it's really had so many other benefits uh, across the clubs as well um, you know there's extra camera people who are working who maybe have an ambition to get into work in, in live sport and live TV uh, and wouldn't have had that before so it's been really really beneficial thankfully it's turning a profit right now uh, for the clubs which is great but that comes from a lot of the hard work and volunteer nature that come into it but it, it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that piracy really is still a big problem around LOI TV because anecdotally we are aware of a, a large number of people who do watch the games but unfortunately if that's not being paid for in a subscription it makes it very difficult for us to bring the service to the next level that we want to bring it to we've loads of improvements that we'd like to make but um, obviously financially that's that's a really difficult one for both us and the clubs to be able to do at, at this particular time so hopefully more people will will respect the service and what it actually gives uh, pay for the subscription this year which we think is superb value at 120 euro for every game for the season whether you want to watch it live or you want to watch the games back after you've been to a game where you've missed something or you come home from the game you're at and you want to watch a, a different game so it is a, is a really top class service um, and it's one that will be here for a long time into the future we've some really exciting plans for it but hopefully we can grow subscription numbers again um, this year and and keep making improvements it is interesting what you say about the the dodgy boxes that we've done quite a lot and been on different media sources and there's always this view that oh well it's a victimless crime and sure it's only taking money away from Sky and Netflix and all of these big and sure they're worth billions anyway but it's not because we've even seen at the beginning of this year that the LGFA which used to have a streaming service where they would show all of the matches in the in the Lidl National League had to take a pull back now they're, they're showing some of the matches but it's on a slightly different model and the fact is that if people are watching stuff without paying for it they're taking money out of the camera person's pocket and the commentator's pocket and the clubs and one day they'll wake up and it just won't be there anymore yeah exactly I think people have, have, have really um, benefited from the service and they've really enjoyed it and we get lots of good feedback and you know again if people aren't paying for it then it's going to keep it difficult for uh, leagues small leagues like ourselves to be able to keep that going you've mentioned some of the problems that the LGFA had as well and uh, that's been replicated across other sports as well so 
you know, it, it is the same thing. You wouldn't go to the club shop uh, and rob some of the merchandise from the club shop. So this is a very similar club product and uh, it is important that people do realise that it's not a, a victimless crime and that it, it actually uh, does impact on the bottom line uh, and does restrict the improvements that we can make on the services. So hopefully it's something that can continue to be tackled. Um, you know, we do try our best to keep as much coverage on free-to-air television as, as we can, which is why we've done uh, the three deals with the national broadcasters. We want to provide games every single week, but it's not going to be possible to put 546 league games as we have across uh, the three divisions and the playoffs all on free-to-air television. So a subscription service will have to be there for the remainder, and if you want to watch your clubs and the rest of the clubs, then it's important that we, we grow the subscription base of LOA TV. So if you want to watch it, there has to be a recognition of the value in it and if you're listening to this and then you're going off and tuning in a dodgy box feel a bit guilty about it and turn it off make sure that you're actually sort of paying the right value because it does feed into the whole ecosystem looking beyond media you mentioned about the fact that we've got so many filled stadia now um you know we've still got an infrastructure which is lacking in many ways but improving at the same time Tala Stadium now with the fourth stand open up uh, brilliant to actually walk out into the bowl into the arena there and actually see that this is a model and a template for what it can be we had Richard Shakespeare at Dublin City Council's new CEO and a, a good football man from uh, you know from his past and present and he was talking about dailyment and how that is right back on the agenda as well part of the large-scale government's infrastructure fund the the raising of the standards though to an extent that people will not only want to go to a game but actually enjoy the experience and feel as though they're both safe and comfortable and that they've got the services that they would expect if they were going to any other form of entertainment where do we need to get to on that and how quickly can we get there I think it's the biggest problem that we have facing the league and Irish football at the minute is, is facilities and I think that's why we've done such a comprehensive work last year in the facilities investment strategy. Um, I think it was recognised as, as being a really good piece of work that you can see we've thought about the game right from grassroots level into League of Ireland and into the National Training Centre and you can see the deficiencies at all level of the game here so uh, it's really important for us that the next stage of that plan now kicks on so uh, clubs are working really hard on putting their development plans together. Um, the sports capital grants will be announced quite soon um, and we hope that there will be a large number of our grassroots clubs and some of our League of Ireland clubs that will benefit from that programme which is, has obviously been a fantastic programme for, for helping um, sports facilities over the last number of years um, but then specifically around the League of Ireland and the stadiums, the opening which we hope at some stage this year of the next round of large scale infrastructure fund will be really really important for us because uh, it's not going to be possible to do it without that, that government funding and support as well uh, and it's important that the clubs are ready to go when that opens so they are working really hard on trying to find their match funding to be able to, to be ready to go for their applications and making sure that their, their plans are submitted with correct planning permission, detailed design plans ready to go so we hope um, that this year will be another important year then with, with some of the club's plans kicking on. As you've mentioned already the new stand in, in Tala Stadium makes it a big difference so there are things starting to happen already. Derry City will have a new stand um, towards hopefully the summertime this year that will be open as well that will make a big difference to the Ryan McBride Brandywell Stadium as well uh, you've seen the, the plans that have, have been launched by the likes of Sligo Rovers and Wexford have announced uh, region, recently as well and then the completion of both Daly Mount and, and Finn Park are really uh, important projects but I think both have been going on 
for far too long at this stage. Uh, both clubs are desperate uh, need of, of a new facility to be able to accommodate the growing fan base there and to make sure the facilities are fit for purpose. So hopefully this year will be a, a real seminal moment from that point that we'll see some, some sods turned, uh, some new developments starting to happen and then hopefully some new plans uh, put into the large scale infrastructure fund and uh, hopefully will be successful that it'll be a very different picture uh, hopefully in five to ten years time but again stadiums do take time so it's not going to be a case that we'll be sitting here next year with three or four new stadiums built but hopefully that journey will have started there'll be some some plans in place um, and, and some builds that, that will be beginning at that stage and in a few years time when we sit here uh, the hope for us will be as we set out in the infrastructure plan that our stadiums will be somewhere between five and fifteen thousand and hopefully full every week and if you look at that for a population of our size we'll be up there then uh, with some of the best in Europe in terms of percentage of population that go to games on a weekly basis and there's no reason why we can't sustain a proper full-time professional league with teams competing for group stages of European football on, on a regular basis uh, if we have stadiums of that size and a fan base because that's what will ultimately generate the revenue uh, to keep a professional industry going here so it's really important. It is great to hear that as well. So often in sport, we plan for the next game or really long-term thinking is the next season. But it's great that we're actually thinking in those terms of generational change of building out those stadia. Is there a priority? We've got a we've got a great Aviva Stadium, which you know hosting the Europa League final this year, hosting games in the Euro 28 finals in a, in a couple of years' time. Um, but then we've got two other layers. We've got League of Ireland, and then we've got the grassroots, which you've called out and you've mentioned today yourself. If there was to be a pot of money that became available, does that should that go? universally so that there's a bit for the League of Ireland and a bit for the grassroots or do we need to continue that sort of pyramid style so that we actually create the next level which is the League of Ireland clubs make them really fit for purpose and then expand it out I think it's got to work across the game universally. I think that's why we released the facilities investment strategy as we did with the whole game because everything has to take in the ecosystem for, for the industry to work. So the grassroots game is, is so important for us to make sure that the next generation of young footballers and people who will either be professional players or uh, whether they'll just play with their local clubs or whether they'll be a fan or an administrator in the future so it's really important a lot of our grassroots clubs are just bursting at the seams right now they want to take on more players particularly if you look at the women's game uh, the growth of that from the fantastic work that's gone on with our, our women's national team and the exposure that that's given uh, girls football in Ireland so a lot of our clubs right now just simply can't accept any more players and that's something that we'd never want to do is, is turn away anybody to play so uh, that has to be happening at the same time as hopefully uh, the growth of our League of Ireland stadiums as well and I think both uh, will be able to happen at the same time said it's going to take time anyway for full stadium builds to happen so you can see in the plan that we've called it out over uh, a 5, 10 and 15 year period over three phases um, so I think we're, we're quite comfortable with that and knowing that that's the length of time that it's going to take uh, but we have to start progress now we don't want to be talking about this again in two to three years time and uh, we want to see improvements in the facility so it's incumbent on us all for that to happen but I said I think a lot of the work has been going on at club level to have them plans in place and, and we're really looking forward to what will hopefully come in the future We've we've, we've spoken in, in years gone by about the, you know, the, the ownership structure within clubs I don't recall it ever having been quite as strong as it is now at the moment, whether that be through homegrown, you know, wealthy individuals that are investing, through that model of community ownership like is like is the case in, in Bose. 
and with some some really good, solid, well-meaning and well-intentioned overseas investments. We've seen, I've spoken to Tony Doyle recently down in Wexford about their US investment. Um, we've spoken to Conor Hoey and the team up in Drogheda United about theirs. And we've got, you know, we've got investment coming into Treaty United down in Limerick as well. Does that present a platform which you believe as the league director is stronger than you've been able to oversee in recent years as well? Yeah, it's, it's really, really important because, again, I think a lot of the time people often look towards the association and say we need to have more funding, we need to give more to the clubs. But if you look around national associations across the world, it's a very difficult thing to do for a national association. You can't put money directly into individual professional clubs. So we want to grow the game from all levels. We've mentioned from grassroots to League of Ireland to international. But in order for the club game to continue to grow, it is the right well-intentioned owners, as, as you've rightly said, um, that we need to have and the right investment coming into the league and I think that has been really positive. People have seen the growth, I think people know that there's something happening in this league and um, that we have a great opportunity, you know, where we're based in Europe, being obviously so close to a big football market in the UK as well, Brexit's given us a, another huge opportunity with the development of our academy football as well. So owners are starting to take a real interest in the league and see that this league can, can be something uh, fun first of all to be involved in because it's grown from from the ground up and people like the enjoyment of it but uh, they also see that this can be a really important part of a, a bigger business venture for them as well so we have been happy uh, with some of the, the recent owners that have come in and some of the investment into the clubs again what's really been pleasing for us is the long-term aspect so what we haven't seen from some of the recent owners is just immediate investment into the first team and trying to maybe challenge for Europe and all of a sudden all that money is just spent on player wages in year one or two but nothing long term. So thankfully a lot of the more recent owners have, have focused on uh, putting in maybe a full-time uh, academy manager into the academy to see the growth of the young players coming through. They've certainly focused on facilities at both training grounds and, and stadiums as well uh, and they focused on the growth of the women's game and them three key areas for us uh, will be really, really important as, as we grow in the future, as well as the continuing growth of uh, the club in their local community. And all of that will lead to more investment then coming into to the club from the outside, from the fan base, and then that will in turn lead to the opportunity to invest further into the, the first team itself. But I think a mistake of the past has been investment just for one year directly into the first team without a longer term outlook. And I think that's changed with a, a lot of the new ownership. And, and we've also um, you know, been contacted by a number of other people who are still looking to invest into clubs and looking around that at the minute. So I think we might see further change in that again this year. So it's all positive. Um, there's certainly a lot of interest around the league and certainly more than I've ever seen before. Great. And that model of the players, of developing the players and maybe keeping them here for a few more years than would have been the case previously, and then seeing them going on and competing at a higher level than we might have seen previously. Jonathan Afalobi going over to Belgium, scoring on his debut appearance over there as well. You mentioned Sam Curtis. Like they, you know, these players are being developed here for a little bit longer and we're getting to know them as fans within their League of Ireland base, as opposed to going overseas or going to the UK at the age of 15 or 16 and uh, and just us not really having that same connection to them. We're going to be talking a little bit more, um, you know, during the early weeks of the season about how sponsors are getting involved in the, uh, in the clubs and in the league as well, profiling some of those and speaking to some of the other League of Ireland owners and CEOs and the people behind the scenes that are making the league what it is. But for the moment, um, it's been great to talk to you, Mark. Uh, the league is obviously continues to be in good hands. Best of luck for the season ahead and thanks for taking the time today. Thanks Rob.
skal du trøje, men skal du tage det, hvis du Thanks to Mark Scanlon for taking the time out to chat. The league gets underway this Friday and will become the Friday night go-to sport for tens of thousands of fans all over the country. If you've never been, you really should, and you can find out about your local game at the League of Ireland website or in all your national and local media. You can subscribe to the Sport for Business podcast, which drops every Tuesday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. There are now more than 50 interviews to listen back to, including with CEOs like Ben Calverley of the British and Irish Lions, athletes like Rashida Adelecki and Rhys McLenaghan, inspiring individuals and more. If you like it, please feel free to spread the word. And if you'd like to hear from a particular guest, also please feel free to get in touch. You can find out more about what we do day in, day out at sportforbusiness.com. Coming up, we'll be looking at the world of high performance with Sport Ireland's Nevo Sullivan and kicking off fresh series in the business of rugby, the leadership of sport in Ireland and our popular 30 Under 30 series with PwC. Thank you for taking the time to listen in.